Hello out there, and welcome to the latest edition of Barely Living the Dream. Uh, this is Mel House, and hosting-wise, I'm alone this time, I guess. Well, not really. I mean, you know, you, you, I think you're more of a co-host than a guest. Who, me? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, well, just because, I mean, you've always sort of been, well, like you just said, you were listening to the episodes, and you heard, like, every episode I mentioned Tim. You mentioned me. Yeah. yeah so so I buried the lead there, but our guest on this episode is Tim Roble. Um, I find myself out in L.A. again. I'm about to start work on another movie on Saturday. This is Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Right? Today's yes. Wednesday? Okay. Today is Wednesday. And then right after that, I go into another film that I work on through Father's Day and then maybe go back home. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, uh, you know, the one reason for me being able to pull off that kind of stuff is Tim, is you. I guess I should talk to you like you're in the, actually in the room this time. <laughs> like, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he facilitated me, like, trying to pull off this bi-coastal thing and help me get a foothold. But um, this episode's not really about that. I mean, we'll probably touch on it, I'm sure, but... I wanted to, I wanted Tim to sort of talk about his journey because, you know, you kind of had an interesting path to this, I guess, or to what you do now. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. And sort of how we met, and you made it out here. I think you were the first of all of us. You were the first person to come out. I think Omar came out a little bit before I did. Oh, okay, okay. But, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So you've been doing. You've been out here for how long? Have you lived out Ten here? Ten years now. Ten years. Ten okay, years cool. in LA. So let's. Yeah, let's. I guess let's let's begin at the beginning and sort of talk about how you got started. Now, now the way I met you was as an actor. Right. And actually, as a theater actor, was the first time I met you. Right. Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends did a show with you, or she was the stage manager, I think, for a show you were in. Uh, was I, can't, I, I remembered the name the other day. but Was I it the one at Ashland? No, it was, I, I knew about that one. I saw your picture, but I, I, it was the one at the uh, Little Room Downstairs in Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just you and, like, a woman and, like, maybe and, one and, other person and, uh, in the show. two kids. It was two kids. It was, about right. a, it was about a young uh, young man who has, you know, feelings, trying to figure out whether he's straight or gay That's or it. which yep. way. Yeah, yep. yeah. But it was, yeah, it was at the little room downstairs. And that was the first I'd ever heard the name Tim Robel. I remember that. And I feel like after that is when you did the Ashland stuff, at least the posters that I saw. Because while you guys were doing those shows, we were doing, we were either shooting stuff or... Um, doing band like my band practice there for a while, and I'd see the po- the poster was up in that other like the art gallery room. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I know that guy because it was that <laughs> it was the show that you and Travis and Nakisha Guevara. Yes, yes, and yes. Maybe one of the I can't remember the fourth girl, but y'all were all in the bed on the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I was like, oh, I know that guy. He was in that show that that Nikki Stage managed. So. Yeah, yeah. There were there were three beds. Yeah, and each one had a different couple. It was a weird. It was a weird little comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's quirky. So it's like our we were sort of like ships passing in the night for a very long time. Right. Until well, we'll until get to that. <laughs> Triskaidekaphobia. Triska de- Triska. Triska yeah, yeah. But um, l- l- let's go back before that. So bef- you know, like, how did you, I guess, initially get bit by the bug, or when did you start, you know, doing the acting, doing thing? all that? Well, I was uh, I was born at a very young age, up <laughs> in the northern reaches of our globe, a frozen place the inhabitants call Michigan. And, uh, you know, even now, my, my wife is like, oh, we should go home. It's so pretty when it snows. And I'm like, yeah, until you've shoveled it for three hours right. and it's still coming down. Yeah. Um, I got bit by the drama bug in high school. Uh, my first experience as an actor was my freshman year, uh, Inherit the Wind. It was, uh, you know, pretty intense play. And I just got, like you said, bit by the drama bug. Even after I graduated high school, I joined the Army. Um, even in the Army, while I was stationed in different places, I pursued uh, the theaters we had theaters either on post or in the community things that were nearby um one i remember i was doing a production of chapter two neil simon's chapter two mm. and we got interrupted by desert storm so we had to deploy do a little war come back and then we picked up rehearsals and actually put the show up okay so it wasn't <laughs> like an intermission thing where they're like, okay, <laughs> right yeah we do a fight fight for freedom and then come back yeah and then we come back yeah. uh, we were in rehearsals <laughs> and came back and did that um and when i got out i ended up uh i ended up on the East Coast, living with a buddy, and then I got a job in Houston, and ended up where you know where we crossed paths there mm. in Houston, and you know even then I was still doing theater and acting, just sort of you know part time, kind of a hobby thing, mm. and then while I was in Houston, the company I worked for got bought, and like forty percent of us got laid off, and so I got a decent severance package, and I thought, well, if there's going to be a time to pursue it. Now's the time, and I started really pursuing it hard. I was doing a lot of community theater. I started working at the Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, down in uh, you know Houston's professional theater there, and um, I ended up cross paths with you when I auditioned for uh, Witchcraft Thirteen. Yeah, bump 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 bump. It was bound to happen. Yeah, uh, and that was the beginning of our yeah and I remember, friendship. <laughs> I remember when you sent me your uh, 
Where did you see the audition post? Do you remember? Was God, it Andy Slade or was it? Might have been. Yeah, uh, I remember when you sent me your because um, that was resume. all pre Facebook days. Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, no... it was. Yeah, it was pure pure email with no attachments. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, this this was uh, two thousand and four, probably because it was when we were getting ready to plan the shoot because we shot in 05. And the movie came out what in seven oh seven. Yeah, I think so. I think that's Somewhere right. Around there, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, Closet Space actually came out first. Right. Because of all the bullshit. But, um, yeah, so, but yeah, I remember getting your, your submission and, and knowing who you were and thinking, oh, man, yeah. Because, you know, remember, we had just watched all those witchcraft movies. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that guy would make a great Will Spanner. And I showed Melanie your picture, and she's like, oh, yeah, he totally would make a great Will Spanner. <laughs> that, you know, that's awesome. It's the first time I've ever known a director to say, oh, and I knew your name. And I'm like, what? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> For I did. what it was, yeah, you know. Yeah, your, your reputation preceded you. Oh, my God. And then we still, we still went through the auditions, and, you know, I still had to, because of the Chicago guys, I still had to sort of make my picks, but then they had the final call. Right. But I remember... I'll just being like, just picked him. Like the only, <laughs> just picked him. God damn it. Like, <laughs> but they're like, well, I don't know. This other guy does this thing that I like. And I'm like, just pissed. Just picked him. Like I always was just like, just pick that guy. That's funny. I pushed hard for you and I pushed hard for Steven. Yeah. Because like when he did, cause I never thought of the elder drill as that. But then when he did it, I was like, of course it's gotta be that, you know, because he's awesome. He's yeah. awesome. Um, and we'll have him on at some point. I'm sure. Steven Scott shout out. Yeah. What's up, Steve? Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how that started, and then uh, cut to what? How many years later? Yeah, so eleven so years later. Many moons later. So yeah, so uh, you know, acting seemed to be going pretty well. I got yeah. the lead in a movie. Uh, yeah, you know, your you movie, did. and I was like, woohoo! This is it. Time to go to Hollywood. Not, not just any movie. A <laughs> long-running direct-to-video series. <laughs> I think it. Honestly, I think at one time it was the longest-running direct-to-video. Yeah, and it probably still is. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it still is. I told you they, they just made sixteen, seventeen. They just 18, did the next three, right? I, whatever. The 14, guy 15. called to offer me the part, and he was like, "Hey, we'd love you to have you have you you know uh, revise your revise your role." And uh -huh. I was like, "Great!" Uh, and he said, "I'll give you fifty bucks a day." <laughs> I said, uh, "Now, did he say it like he was like offering yeah, you? Yeah, like, like he was <laughs> like he was offering me keys to the city. I'll give you fifty dollars a day." And I said, "Well, I'm SAG after now, so I'm union, and that's not even close." And he said, "Oh." Well, then let's not use your name. <laughs> I was like, wait, guy, you just said you wanted me because I was the same person. Right, right. But now I'm going to use the same name. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, and then he told me he was going to shoot all three movies in nine days. And yeah. at that point, I said, I am out. <laughs> Have a good day. And he said, yeah. well, if you change your mind, let me know. Yeah. So, I mean, best of luck to him. But yeah, shooting I, a movie I, in three days is <sighs> insane. Especially, yeah. I give it to you for even entertaining the idea at all. <laughs> well, you know, at the point I was like, yeah. well, a paycheck wouldn't yeah, be bad. Right, you know, right. if well, I could and get that's kind of cool. Like three SAG movies, the right. leading role, that would you know, yeah. that would have been great. Uh, so I was out here for a while, and uh, as an actor, things started slowing down. I started getting older, and you know, older men have same problems that women do and minorities do mm. in finding you know roles. And I'm sure they're out there, but I just kind of stopped working so hard. I got married. My focus kind of shifted. Um, and I still loved the idea of working on the set. Like there's there's a magic mm -hmm. that yeah. takes place when you're on a film or a TV set. Right. Part of being part of that creative process, being part of all of that. You know, I mean, even if you're you're just the PA working craft services and keeping the crew snacked up, you're still part of that. And you're still in that magic. And it's a really if you've never worked on a movie set. Um, I mean, granted, it's not for everybody because it does get a little crazy and there's some extreme pressure but it's still one, one of my favorite places to be. And so I wanted to work in a job that would keep me on the set, mm -hmm. but also let me work with some of my friends. And I have friends who are writers and directors mm -hmm. and assistant directors and directors of photography and all these other jobs. And I was trying to figure out what could I do when we put all these people together. I don't wanna be the guy that's like, okay, well, I'm a director too, but you guys have one, so I'm just gonna sit over here and wave to you. I wanted to be involved, and I, I you know, looked at Script Supervisor. Mm. Uh, and it's funny, because in the earlier podcast that I was just listening to today, you were talking about how that's one of the things that a lot of people have no idea what it is, have never heard of it. Um, even folks who are, you know, um, like you, uh, I worked on a Showtime series, and even the director that I worked with there, she had never worked with a Script Supervisor before. She right. was just like, what do you do and how can you help me? 
And so I picked that job. I went to some schooling for it. I got training. Um, and it is very detail intensive. Yeah. Um, it helps that in the military, I was uh, military intelligence. No kidding. No joke. I was a trained observer. So that helps me immensely being on the set. Um, as a script supervisor, I have, as, as I see it, I have three main focus. Uh, things to focus on. Number one is to be the right hand of the director. Mm -hmm. um, my my job is to lift as much weight off the director's shoulders in terms of technical things like eye lines, um, right. spatial continuity, movement, uh, screen direction, um, things like which which hand did that actor use to lift you know lift the cup to his lips with. Um, all those little things, so the director doesn't have to worry about that. He can focus on getting the performance he wants out of his actors. Um, I also take, uh, um, as, as the right-handed director, I make a note on everything he says about every take. If there's a take, he's like, ooh, I love the beginning of that. I will make a note. Because my second focus is to be the editor's representative on set. Yep. Which means I wanna, again, make sure that screen direction matches. If you exit scene four going camera left, you should enter scene five coming in from camera right. So it, you maintain that same direction. And oftentimes those scenes are, as you know, are shot many days apart. Yeah. So it's up to somebody to have an, uh, a record of that. It's up to somebody to make a note, oh, he exited camera left so that when we go to shoot the other one, we know which way to uh, bring him in. Um, as an editor's representative, I'm also looking for edit points. Um, ideally, you're gonna cut on some sort of movement. Mm -hmm. So points uh, where you know the actor sits or the actor turns or a door opens or closes or maybe the camera moves. If you do, you know, you do a pan, you can sort of, if you do a whip pan, you can, you know, cut in the middle of that and end up on where you want. Um, all those points uh, while we're shooting, I have to think like the editor, is that gonna work? Is that not gonna work? Uh, and again, I make a note of everything so that when the editor gets um, the, all, the, all the reels, all the coverage we've shot, he gets all my notes that say, oh, the director hated this take, hated this take, loved this take. Uh, he hated the beginning of this one, but loved the last line, so please use that. Um, I time every single take of every single scene mm -hmm. to give us an idea of your rough running time. Now, a lot of times, you know, you can, you can do, uh, I was just on a film that had a long walk down a hallway, and we shot it from behind the people walking, then from in front of the people walking, that kind of between like one person's POV of the back of the other person's head. And the way that was done, you could make that an infinite hallway because you could cut to all those, you know, like right. you'd never see the end of the hallway. Um, I forgot what the point I was making about that. <laughs> well, you're talking about edit points. Uh, but but yeah, edit like points, you, yeah, so, yeah. so you're looking for places where you could make those cuts um, and, and be the editor's representative on set. The, the third focus that I have is backup continuity. Now, a lot of times they call us a script supervisor or continuity supervisor. That does not mean that every bit of continuity falls under my shoulders. Mm -hmm. What that means is I provide a backup to wardrobe because it's up to wardrobe to make sure that the actor is dressed properly at the beginning of every take. It's not if he unbuttons a shirt and takes it off. It's not my job to get him dressed again and put it put him back in. That's wardrobe's job. Um, if uh, if something gets moved on the set, you know, a prop gets moved. It's not my job to say, hey, that goes back there. That's up to the prop department. What I do is I provide the backups. You know, I provide right. the backup checks. So if I see something that isn't quite right, um, and again, I'm the type, I don't wanna call people out and be like, oh, director, wardrobe just screwed up because so-and-so didn't button the top button of a shirt. You know, what I'll do is yeah. I'll approach that department head or whoever's in the set and say, hey, can you double check this, are you sure? And that way, you know, everybody gets along, everybody, right. everybody, um, because we all want the same thing. We're all yeah. trying to make the best possible movie that we can possibly make. Um, you know, and so like I heard you talking about the crew that you guys had and how fantastic it was and how, how great everybody worked together. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how rare that is. Very rare. Yeah. Be, you know, you get a lot of people that are, that have egos or you've got people that are either inexperienced and afraid because they know that they're not up to the task and they're afraid that they're going to look stupid. Mm. Um, I work with a lot of student and, um, newer directors people that don't have a ton mm -hmm. of experience um so it, it's been it's really interesting everybody's got a different style you know and you kind of right. as as the right hand of the director i have to adapt to what they how they work and how how they operate yeah uh so there's three focus right right hand of the director mm -hmm. editor's representative backup continuity 
Um, in addition to that, I do a ton of breakdown during pre-production. Um, I track and try and uh, have a breakdown for everything. Yeah. If there's a fight scene, I'm going to track bruises and injuries for the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, if there's a car chase and a car gets bumped or scratched or dented, all those things have to match. So I will do, do a complete breakdown that says, you know, scene four, there's a dent here. Scene five, there's a dent, an additional dent, you know, and so that when we shoot it out of order, we don't end up showing a side that should be dented when it's not. Right. Um, yeah, a ton of things like that. Yeah, I remember when we uh, worked on Cold Descent and you were in your office and you were like, yeah, dude, I got all these reports to do, you know, and I was like, wow, he's like really doing the job. Because up to that point, pretty much every script supervisor, and I'm doing air quotes since you can't <laughs> see me doing it, guys that are listening, but uh, pretty much was just there reading the script, you know, like they were they were the line Feeder, the, yeah. the line feeder. Basically. And that is an additional responsibility. Yeah. Um, usually if you're filming a scene that's a, a telephone call and the other actor isn't around, the script supervisor will read in right. the other side. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a, even if you're shooting the actual scene, but the other actor couldn't be there that day and you have to shoot a half, typically I'll end up reading the other half. Um, you know, those are additional duties that, you know, fall under one of those three main areas. Mm. Um, that would probably fall under the third area, like helping everybody out, right. providing continuity. Um, because I also track things like emotional states, yeah. um, you know, like how bloody somebody is, how bruised, the car gets dented up, anything that changes yeah. uh, or anything that stays the same, you know, or anything yeah. that, that needs that, that. And what's funny is I work with directors and I'll say, Here, here's my philosophy. I don't make the decisions, right? Yeah. I'm not the director. My name's not going up there as director. You make the decisions, but it's my job to ask you the questions so that you've at least thought about, so I know you've at least thought about something. For example, the last film I shot, um, it was a, a short, it was, it was about a, a defense attorney who is just going through the system, the chew, system's chewing people up and spit them out. It's, it's kind of a sad look at our, air quote, justice system. Yeah. And at one point she's leaning against the wall and she looks outside and there's a mother and a son sharing a cigarette out in front of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Okay, no big deal. They, except they cut to them and we had an entire insert of them sharing the cigarette. Mm -hmm. So after that, she turns and she goes to the window to be buzzed into the back and we look from the probation guy's POV past her and we can see the stairs mm -hmm. where the smokers were, right. where they should still be right, sitting. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I notice it during camera rehearsals. So I go up to the director and I was like, you're gonna have those smokers back out there. Now, it's, he can, he's perfectly within his right to say no, because they'd already wrapped them. Those background had gone, had left hours before they were gone. And it's one of those things where I noticed it and other people probably would have noticed it, but we, the day stopped for two and a half hours yeah. while they've tried to find two people who looked, whose the back of the heads looked like the two people that got wrapped, put them in the same clothes, gave them cigarettes and had them do the same thing. And the AD, and the DP got really angry with me because they were like, you brought this to a screeching halt. Don't ever fucking do that again. And I said, sorry guys, I don't work for you. Yeah. I work for the director. Right. And it was his thesis film. And I'm like, you know, that's for me not to say that is, right. is first of all, doing a crappy job on me. But secondly, right. that's, you know, not fair to him. He's the director. It's up to, if you guys want to convince him that they're not needed, that's on you. But I have to, I've got to say something. I got to say something. Yeah. You know, again, I asked a question, but it's up to somebody else to make the final decision of yes, we need that or, or no, we don't, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the style that I like to use. Yeah. Um, as a script supervisor, there's some things that I hate candles <laughs> on set, yeah. on set. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> candles, clocks, mm -hmm. watches, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. Drinks, beverages? Drinks, I was gonna say drinks and food. <laughs> yeah. Drinks and food you can get away with as long as you got somebody there, you know, yeah. refilling. But in those, in, in terms of those things, those are really tricky to match continuity wise. Yeah. Uh, especially candles. Yeah. Uh, I was on a shoot where it was a Thanksgiving dinner. And so of course there were candles and they, before they lit the candles, I said, Okay, I know we have to light these because we're going to film Thanksgiving dinner and it would be weird if the candles weren't burning, but please tell me you have backups. And they went, no, we don't. We don't have any bad. This is it. We have these two candles and that is it. And I said, well, can we, can we send somebody out to get more? Because you're going to burn through these, 
you know, in like two or three takes. Because yep. they're the tall, thin tapers, right. you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, they, they're obvious, you can tell. And uh, they're like, oh, we didn't think of that. I said, okay, well, then can we change the shooting order so that we shoot it in order because they had scheduled it to shoot it backwards? Right. They shot a scene at the end of the uh, dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they shot a scene in the middle of the dinner. Then they shoot the scene at the beginning of the dinner because they want to shoot. And they're like, we can't because we have to shoot somebody out. Yeah. He's not going to be here. And I was like, well, just so you know, the candles, when you show the film, are going to grow. That's, that's, I'm not saying that's whether that's right or wrong, yeah. but it, just so you know, I did my job. I advised you. And they're like, oh, shit, what can we do? So I offered them a trick, which is when you shoot, just if you have to have the candles in the shot, just shoot across the top. Exactly. You don't, yeah, if yeah, you, don't you don't see a, the full yeah. length, then you don't know that they're smaller than they, you know, yeah. or longer or the different size. Yeah. Then they were like, well, we'll try that and, and we'll see if it works. And then when I ended up seeing the final product, sure enough, the candles grow as the dinner progresses. Yeah. You know, and that's, again, because... And a lot of times, even though a script supervisor or anybody will say, hey, wait, we, that shot isn't really usable. There's a C-stand in the mm -hmm. reflection. The director will just love that performance from the actor so much, it yeah. outweighs all the other considerations. Right. So a lot of times when you see stuff like that in a film, um, it's not that somebody didn't catch that. Could be. You know, I've seen stuff where you're like, oh, you know, and there's, there's, blog lists dedicated to scenes and movies that have you yeah. know a crew member standing in them or something right. like that um, but a lot of times when it comes down to a little thing like that it's because the director liked this performance even though she accidentally drank the orange juice instead of the milk she was holding the wide yeah you know i mean little strange things like that yeah the other thing i hear from directors a lot that drives me nuts is if if they notice that then we lost them they're not watching the yeah, movie yeah. we're not doing our job we're not doing our job yeah, yeah. and i'm like Yes and no. Okay. On one hand, yes, you're right. If there's a very exciting something happening right here in the foreground, nobody's going to notice that this curtain, you know, moved an inch to the left, except right. for me, because that's what I'm staring at. On the other hand, there are things that happen that you won't notice consciously, mm -hmm. but you'll catch subconsciously and it'll take you out of the scene. Yeah. There could be a very heavy, you know, you're, you're in this emotional scene and everything, and then something just... You, and again, because it's subconscious, you don't even know why. Yeah. But it's because, you know, like maybe they cross the line. Right. Or weird cuts or on action. Or a weird cut. Yeah, where they yeah. move their arm twice or something. Yeah, yeah, so, something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's and the scene still continues, but it, it you know. It does, yeah. It breaks the illusion. I think that that's something that's that's a that's a saying that's kind of like the fix it in post thing. It's exactly. The, like there were times where that were true. that was true, but now it's just a crutch or like an excuse to just be like, poo-poo it and go on, yeah. you know? Yeah. Ah, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you regret it later. Like, you always regret it later if you let something like that slide. Because I know I've let shit like that slide. Then when I watch the movie on a big screen, like, and I oh. oh, son of a bitch. And you can see people, not really unplugged but fully, but... Tune out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, okay. Amateurs, this isn't a real movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, little all stuff. the other bullshit that goes along with it. And that's not to say it doesn't happen. You yeah. know, like, my favorite example is if you watch The Untouchables. Yeah. There's a scene where Sean Connery's top button opens and closes. Yeah. Opens and closes. Yeah, I know exactly closes. the one you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, it, it. I'm sure that everybody was aware. They didn't They didn't cut that together not knowing it. Right. But that, I think that was a case where the director was like, this is the best performance. This yeah. is, I don't care about a shirt. I want this. Yeah. For this line, and I want this. I like the way you delivered that line yeah. for that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. Yep. Um, and on Mar in Marathon Man, you see Dolly Track like a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> but really, those are the like the heavy, the really the best scenes. So like I'm sure. Yeah. And it, just like, it's not like you just barely see it. Like it's way in there. <laughs> you know. So. Well, and now, now if that happens, you have the option. You yeah. can spend the money to have it painted out. Yeah. And VFX, like that, is something that you can sort of fix in post. Yep. Again. I think that's sloppy filmmaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you should set it up. You should, you should do your stuff in pre-production. Your director should come in with a shot list. You know, he should have an idea. Right. Um, I, I was listening to the podcast and Chris was talking about a two page scene and the guy wanted like 16 setups yeah. to cover it. Like that's, that's a lot of coverage. That's yeah. a lot of setups. You figure every setup is going to take you at least what? A half hour, Yeah, at least 45 minutes yeah. to readjust and relight. Like that's just a lot of stuff. And that's, uh, 
I find that I work with a lot of inexperienced directors, and that's a common mistake, is shooting too much coverage. Mm -hmm. They just overshoot the hell out of everything because they don't see it in their head as in, okay, we open the scene in a nice wide, so-and-so crosses to the bar, he picks a drink, we go to the two-shot. You know what I mean? That's how I feel like a director should be seeing it in their head to go so that we can shoot all that. But a lot of people that have less experience will think, okay, I got to get coverage of this whole scene. So they shoot the whole thing in the wide and they shoot everything in medium. They shoot everything yep. in the close. Mm -hmm. They shoot everything in the extreme close up, yep. which is just like, even I've, I've been on, I've watched shots where the camera rolls on an empty chair for half a scene yeah. before the actor sits down into it. Right. And my question is, why did, why didn't we just pick up with him sitting into that scene? Yeah. That's another thing I see. Um, new directors making mistakes. Oh, we just want to, we just want to get them into that because they don't trust their actors that their actors know the scene well enough to just get, yeah, get into get it. There. You know, there's there because they're new and they're nervous. They project that onto everybody else. Yeah. You know, you got it as a side effect of not shooting on film too. It could also be, but that's something else that even though I know video is air quotes free yeah. to shoot on, you should still behave as if yeah, you should as if you're on film right. because you still have to offload all that stuff yeah, onto a still, card. Still time a time cost for like on set exactly in post in post. And if you're and and here's some advice right, that I that I give any beginning director any inex less experienced director I work with to, to to them is when you say cut when you see what you've got what you got the scene is over and you say cut you should immediately follow that with print which is optional if you like that take even if you're going to go again if you like something that's to take say print so the script supervisor knows to circle that so the editor knows we want something out of this yeah. take yep the next thing you should say is either moving on which means we're breaking the setup down or we're going to something else or let's go again mm -hmm. that's the only thing that i want to hear from a director yeah. is cut going again or moving on and either print or nothing because that informs the entire set what happens with directors is they'll say cut and they have something they're like oh i gotta fix this with this actor I, I want them to do something and they run to the set meanwhile everybody else is left wondering what's happening yep. are we are we moving on yeah. are we going to another setup or are we doing this again because huge things have to happen if we're moving on yeah it set clears out lights get moved camera moved all that and that can all begin if you as the director give everybody a heads up and say cut print moving on yep i fully agree that's that's excellent advice i fully agree uh, and i try to get my ad's mm -hmm. um to help me in that regard right you know what i mean because if i bug the ad enough to bug the director enough to tell me which one of those takes he liked or are we moving on or are we going are we going to print that then they get on my side, you know, then as the two of us hit the director enough, the director will finally by day two or three be like, cut, don't print that one. We're yeah. going to go again. Yeah. And we're like, great. Cause that's, yeah. you know, it helps. It's all about communication. Yeah. Um, you know, because once you decide that we're moving on, the AD has to orchestrate. And I mean, you've seen that for, for those of you who have not been on a film set, it's a huge choreographed dance that has to take place between shots. The shots themselves, the filming, the actual takes, yeah. like that's the that's the least yeah. of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. you know what I mean. That's yeah. that's what everybody sees, and yeah. so that's what everybody assumes is the heavy duty. But honestly, if we do a take of a scene five times, we may have only shot six, eight minutes of, of yeah. film yeah. of of actual camera time. Yeah, and we'll spend the next hour setting up for the next one or two minutes of screen time. I mean, it's. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. People don't know. For every page, every page is roughly a minute of screen time, and every page, roughly a minute of screen time, takes about an hour to set up for a scene. Yes, it does, for sure. You know At what least. I mean? Yeah. You know I mean? That's, that's like <laughs> yeah. a really rough rule of thumb. Yeah. But when you're in that position, you're trying to plan all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's my advice for newer or even experienced directors. After you say cut, and also, please say cut stop this bullshit of all right keep rolling still rolling let me do this unless you're going back for something very quick and very specific it's a huge waste of time 
Uh, I've worked with the directors. They're like, hold on, no cut, still rolling. And they'll go in and spend five minutes telling an actor something. Still rolling, still rolling. Now all this has to download. Yeah. The editor and the DIT guy have to wade through all this bullshit. Right. For, it's just, it's now a you, waste of time. you're like pushing up a, a camera dump that you could have. That you could have. That's probably going to bone you later. Exactly. Because you have to stop and exactly. offload a card. You know, and or, or I'll, what's funny is a lot of, a lot of student directors, they're like, everybody's set? We're set. Okay, everybody's set? Roll camera, roll sound, rolling. Cameraman, set, sound, set. And, okay, before we do this, oh, and they'll yeah. jump up and think of something else. Yeah. You know, they're like, and you're like, what? That's one of the things that's going to give me my eventual heart attack, I think. That's one of the things that annoys me the most in the world. Well, and it's, and it's only because it's, uh, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's such a waste. So now the camera and the sound guys are like, all right, cut. Now I got, now as a script, yeah, I got to write false take. You know, yeah. we didn't take that one. Um, you know, it's just everybody, you know, because there's this big anticipation that leads up to action. And then when he's like, he doesn't say action, he says, oh, wait, let me. Yeah. It, it kills, it kills so much. Yeah. And you kind of lose, like everybody kind of, there's this weird herding cats thing that happens yes. on a set too. Like yes. when you lose that that moment everybody kind of like starts drifting <laughs> yes like they're all in their inner tubes like in a river and they're kind of they're full they, you know everybody Slowly. everybody kind of is drifting to their so it's like then it takes time to get everybody back to that moment again yeah and get everybody to ready the next to, to roll again so yeah it's it is a bit and i've it sounds crazy but i've seen it happen so many times and, and it's, the, it's the energy kind of like common. dissipates yeah you know? and you lose so much time that way yeah that's what what really killed i was the script super i'm script supervisor i'm also the official timekeeper on the set yeah so when the ad yells that's lunch i look at my clock and that's the official time that gets reported um at the end of the day in addition to those three focus things i mentioned uh earlier at the end of the day i have a ton of uh paperwork to do uh in addition to noting and timing every single take that was shot in a given day i also match those takes to the script and i do what's called i line the script and if you if if just go to Google and Google script supervisor line script and, and you'll see what I'm saying. Mm. And basically what it is, it's a line down the page and a line, a solid line down the page means we have seen this on camera. We have covered it somehow, some way. It might be in a wide. It might be in a tight. It might be in the background, but we have seen this. And then you'll see that there's zigzags or squiggly lines or curvy lines or something that go on top of that straight line. And that means we did not see this on camera. So when you look at a script supervisor's marked page of, let's say, a scene with the two of us, mm. one, you'll see like one line will be solid. That would be the wide where you can see both of us giving our lines. Then when we go for the close up on you, you get all the solid lines and my lines are all squiggled because I'm off camera. And then we reverse it. and It does the same same for this way. And that tells the editor this is how this scene was shot specifically. Right. This is the close up. This is the close up only on Mel. This is the close up. This is the close up only on Tim. Here's the two shot. And all of those, all of that information, what kind of shot it is, how long it took, um, a very detailed description of the shot. Uh, Mel crosses in camera left, crosses right to chair, sits into medium close up in front of microphone, reaches right hand over to turn on the recorder. And, and that's where the rest of the scene plays out where he's in that chair in that, in that medium shot. Mm -hmm. When we go for the wide, again, everything is described in detail for the editor. Um, I also keep, depending on the production, I'll keep continuity photos and um, monitor photos. And by that, what I mean is when you're, especially with folks that are less experienced, um, you know, this isn't, we're not, we're not working on the studios and the, and the networks quite yet. Uh, although I did get to work on a thing that ended up at Showtime, but they didn't really fund it. It was kind of, you know, yeah. they made the content and Showtime went, we'll take it. Um, lost my train. It's okay. For those, <laughs> for those of you uh, out there in listener land, Tim just made the, there's a story behind that look. So I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. <laughs> it was so, uh, I forget where I was going. I don't know. Um, so this, so the, the series I just finished, it's called submission. It's on Showtime right mm -hmm. now. I think it, uh, it's on like week three or four maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a, um, 50 shades of 50 shades of black 
Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, whatever the Fifty Shades yeah. book type. Well, it depends is. on is this the Keenan oh, Ivory oh, Wayans no. parody? <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, then. Yeah. Uh, about you know, it's about this um, woman who gets out of a relationship and she goes to stay with a friend in California, uh, a girlfriend of hers, and she finds this book titled Slave, and it's all about this girl going through a submissive. And she decides, well, I would like to try that. She kind of becomes curious about it. She meets a guy who's a dom. And the whole thing is about, you know, her experience and her uh, in, uh, investigating this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I mean, it was crazy to shoot. We, had, we hired an actual dominatrix to be a technical advisor on the set so that when people got tied to St. Andrew's Cross or tied up on the wall or whatever, it was done properly and safely. Um, we did a lot. This is... I don't know what you would call it for Showtime. If it was on Cinemax, you would we'd call it Skinemax. I don't yeah. know what you what the Showtime equivalent is. Ho time. I don't know. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but there were there's a very I'm copywriting that you're gonna have to pay very me. Very adult oriented. Yeah. And so there were a lot of scenes where they would um, they'd clear the set. Yeah. You know, um, actors they didn't want they didn't want the actors thinking about how many people are watching the monitor and all this right. stuff. So they'd clear the set. Um, you know, I would even be be near a monitor. And what I would have to do is rely on the sound guy, our sound guy, Speed, Speed Ratliff, shout out Speed, best boom dude I have ever worked with. And uh, so there's a scene that's going on. There's some sex scene. The two cameras are just kind of floating around. And, you know, it's a 15 minute take that I'm like, well, good luck to the editor because I got I I can't see it. I can't describe it to them, you know, so he's just gonna have to watch through it a few times and make notes. And then I hear I hear the boom kind of shift and I hear Speed whisper. Reverse cowgirl on the desk. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So I, you know, I make a note to the editor at, at one and a half minutes. Reverse cowgirl on the desk. And he's like, now missionary on the bench. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that way I at least had something to give to the editor yeah. so that he wasn't going in completely blind. So after this long 15-minute take, the director's like, cut. That was great. Moving on. Is everybody okay? Because, you know, a lot of directors will check in to make sure there wasn't a camera problem or yeah. sound. And Speed says, ah, hey, can we get one more for sound? <laughs> a 15-minute sex take. Yes, Speed, please. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was crazy on the set. Like I said, I, I didn't get to see any of the um, adult stuff until you actually get to watch it on Showtime. Yeah. Um, which I watched an episode, and... You know, all I'm focused on is, or wait, she left camera. You know, I'm looking right. for like my mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, looking yeah. for stuff to screwed up. So I'm like, okay, yeah, the sex scene. Skip, 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 skip. All right, wait, back into the scene. Yeah. You know, it's like the opposite of the way I used to watch movies as a teenager. Yeah, right. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you think that some element of that may be witchcraft PTSD? Uh, could very well be. <laughs> could very it's just, well it's be. It's funny that that's, you ended up working on a film. I don't know. It's a weird that, cyclical the words, thing. Yeah, yeah, full circle type thing. Yeah. Uh, it was a it's, it was a great experience. It was a great crew. Um, everybody, you know, knew what they were doing and knew what they and half the battle too is knowing what you're not supposed to do. Right. Um, you know, what's funny to me is on the lower budget films and on your a lot of your indies and a lot of your you know j- people that are just getting started, you get you get paid less to do six jobs. Mm, tell me about it. <laughs> Yeah. I think you're the poster boy for that, oh, actually. Man, I am. I, I need to figure out how to stop. But yes, that's absolutely true. And as you as you get into more more uh, budget and better and higher productions, and you know you start working towards the studios and networks and or Netflix or whatever, um, they have more money so they can hire somebody yeah. to do the job correctly so that you can just do your job, you know, which is nice. As a yeah. script supervisor, I've done, I've been second directors. Uh, there was one movie I was on where the director spent most of his time when we were supposed to be shooting, giving tours of the little facility where we had built. Uh, did you not hear about that? I didn't tell you about this one. I don't think he did. This <laughs> was, I was on a shoot in Las Vegas. We shot a film in 10 days, which is insane because we had a horrible DP who said, oh yeah, we can shoot that in 10 days. And the producers had, had no experience making a movie before. The guy was an actor, uh, still, kind of active he i've seen him in a, in a few things he i most recently saw him in last vegas mm-hmm. with right the four yeah the four horsemen you know yeah morgan yeah, freeman yeah. pacino not pacino de niro those right guys. right okay um yeah. so he's got a bit part in there but he also teaches he's an acting teacher 
And he found somebody with a lot of money and decided uh, and talked them into uh, supporting him and to make this movie. So for him, it was more about strutting around saying, look at me, I'm directing this movie, than it was actually about making the movie. Because what they did is they built a bunch of different, which actually I thought this was smart, they built a bunch of different sets, they rented a big office in an office park, and they built like a kitchen set, and they built a hospital room set, and they built other sets. Uh -huh. Looked fantastic. The problem was that it was at the end of the runway, yeah, which is why it was so cheap per square yeah. foot. <laughs> it was at the end of the runway, and every ten seconds we had to hold for another incoming air. And in Las Vegas, a lot of planes are landing. Right. So that was a problem. But um, th this guy, he would give tours of this little facility instead of shooting. So the AD, um, who was from Dallas and who was phenomenal, um, was Hutch. like, "No, no, he was the he's the DIT. Okay, he was the yeah, DIT yeah. Yeah. editor. Yeah, yeah. yeah Hutch." <laughs> Yeah, uh, this was uh, Kelly. She was great, but she was like, "Fuck this, we we got to make the day." And if he's not, if he's off walking around the parking lot with somebody, because he was showing off the RVs that we had, because you know that's important to a, to an actor coming in for two lines yeah. to get the full tour. Yeah. So since she stepped up to direct, <laughs> I stepped up to AD, and so I was ADing yeah. and kind of script supervising. Uh, Hutch was there helping out a lot. He was just supposed to be doing DIT. Well, not even DIT. He was supposed to be editor, but. You know, again, these guys really weren't sure about what they were doing. So it was one of those cases where you did a lot more jobs than, yeah. than you actually should have. And, of um, course, like, we'll get none of the credit, like, if things are successful. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was uh, I don't know. All right, we'll talk shit about them. It was so, yeah, I've, I've talked it was such a bad film. Yeah. I won't mention any names, but basically the person who, who directed it had also wrote it and it was based on a bunch of exercises for his acting class and they yeah. were all interrogation exercises where you know the cop and the suspect yeah and so what he did is he took all these things that he had written and just kind of lined them up together and called it a film mm. nobody gets read their rights not a single person in this entire two-hour film asks for their lawyer uh and all the interrogations basically go like this we know you did it I didn't do it. We know you did it. Okay, you're right. You got me. I better get right with God. <laughs> it was a faith-based film. So yeah. everything was, you better get right with God. Wow. I think I had heard most of this except for the faith-based part. So <laughs> that, you know, that makes like, it funnier. Out of, out of, I don't know. This was maybe a 96-page uh, script, 50 pages in the interrogation room. Wow. Just two people sitting, interrogating. The suspect. <laughs> <laughs> and what, when the other thing that killed me is you would think, okay, it all takes place in this one room. Once you light it, you're good. Yeah. No. Our DP and our gaffers were not what you would call experienced. And so they spent a lot of time relighting and relighting and relighting. You know, so, and again, that's something else that as a script supervisor, you, you try and track continuity with is, right. is light, time of day. Yep. Um, you know, light direction because, you know, some, it, it all has to match, yeah. you know, it's especially when you flip to the other side, when you turn everything around, you see the, the rest of the world, the light seems to be coming from the East, you know, it's yeah. you, just cause you're turned around. doesn't mean that the, everything right. goes that way. Um, but that was a horrible experience that, you know, everybody I think has early on in their careers. Um, you know, <laughs> not just early on, not just early on. <laughs> they come back. They, they seem to like come back around every few years it's, to remind you what yeah, home is like. Right. My wife gets mad because I come home uh, and, uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a, I've been on a few films that were great, great experiences. Yeah. You know, people knew what they were doing. But for the most part, there's always somebody who's just completely clueless because they're like, you know, the director's brother-in-law yeah. wanted to be a locations manager and yeah, yeah. has no idea what that entails or, you know, so I'll come home and I'll be, be bitching about it. And then she's like, what? This makes you so miserable. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. and I, I, I've I heard that too. <clears throat> you know, like, I'm, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. There's something wrong with us. Clearly. There's clearly something <laughs> well, we're just, wrong we're, with we're, us. We, we compulsively have to make film. That's the problem. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, M Melanie just, uh, well, you haven't gotten that far in the podcast, but it's the most recent, well, two podcasts ago, I think. She she was like, you know, I just want to see film make you happy again. And I was like, yeah. well, 
I'm going to have to make another movie for yeah. that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's the only time I could think. Well, there, no, that's not entirely true. I mean, I had fun on Cold Descent, but it's because what's, I wasn't like. You know what's funny is that job. was my yeah. first yeah. like real feature. I'd done a feature before, but I, I, I was volunteer. Like, I did it for free. So yeah. I didn't really feel like. I wasn't invested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if they're yeah. like, you messed up. I'm like, well, I guess you should have paid me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but that was the first time I was on a film. And it's so funny because I would get so angry. Yeah. I would get so upset because the director um, just wouldn't take any input yeah. from anybody, from the yeah. DP, from me, from the AD, yeah. from, you know, he was just like, I would say, hey, um, you know, this doesn't match that. And the answer would be, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. That's okay you've considered it and you're fine with it not matching or oh yeah yeah let's get somebody there to fix it and i used to get and i would get so wrapped up and so pissed on you you know you were there i would get yeah, so yeah. mad and uh, even even poor um poor yusuf had to talk me oh, down yeah, yeah. he would take me out of lunch yeah. and would like have to talk me down and i'm like <laughs> i'm out of here and he's like no 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 hold on we'll, we'll get you an yeah. assistant we'll get you and i'm like we don't i just need a director that you know listens to people right um and it and it was so hard and that was now because because i've got this mantra now where during that film at the end of it when it was over i looked back and i went you know what i, I was way over invested because it's not my movie right you know like i, I was invested in it as if i had written yeah. was directing yeah, yeah, yeah. was you know i was i was trying to do and be everything perfectly and the the simple truth is it's up to the director yeah you know, and so now I'm I'm a much calmer, much happier, much yeah. less stressed person on stre on on the set because when I approach a director and I let them know, hey, you know, this doesn't match, whatever they do with it is completely fine with right. me. You right. know, whereas when I first started, I was like, no, 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 you can't do that. It won't it won't match. It, you're crossing the 180 line. What is yeah. wrong with? Are you insane? What are you from Mars? Like it was. Just, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. That, uh, and I don't know. Maybe I cared too much. Yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. It's uh, that's also really good advice, um, and I should I should probably take it to heart too. <laughs> right. The problem is the AD like the AD thing is so the shit that I do is so in a weird gray area where like it's like it feels like it is my fault. You know, if, yes. you know what I mean? Like yes, un, you know, it's a little bit different. I think, and I think that's where I stress out about it. But what you're saying is true because sometimes you have those people that are just they just want to surround themselves with yes men. Uh, our other co-host co has dealt with that a lot lately too. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's like, why did you hire these people that are knowledgeable in what they do if you're not going to listen to them anyway? Because yeah. they're just trying to help you. And more importantly, they're going to help the movie, which yeah. is yours. You know, well, the movie's yeah. more important than all that shit. Yeah. yeah. And as a director, like, you should have a grasp of what the DP does. Right. You know, but you don't need to be aware of what color temperature they're using yeah. or what, like, you don't need to be that. Just trust, hire the right guy yeah. and trust that when you say this is how I want it to look, that they'll give that to you. Right. You know, um, I, you know, and I think that's, I, I think that's great advice for like anybody who's not the director of the film. Yeah. Don't let it eat you up. It's yeah. not your circus. They're not your monkeys. Yeah. You just, you know, you just have to let that person do what they're going to do. And hopefully down the line, they'll learn, Oh, you know, I had a director. I was working for at, those listening. Tim gave me another, I have a story. Look, so uh, get ready. This is going to be a good one. This was on a uh, it was on a series that was supposed to be uh, uh, sold to Netflix. Nah. Now, when I talked to the producer and the director and all of them, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're we're in Netflix. We're on Netflix. This is going to be great." Later, we found out that they had like Netflix's phone number, <laughs> uh, and I think that was just a subscription number, not the actual business right, number, right. you know. <laughs> but they wanted to make this series and then sell it to Netflix, which is great. I uh, I think. Um, I just read Netflix is going to spend six billion dollars yeah. on new content, so I'm happy to get a piece of that. You yeah, know, no so if shit. you've got good content or you want to make something, you know, they'll license. I'm sure they'll look at what you got because yeah. they want something. You know, they want to blow everybody away. I yeah. love the Daredevil and the Marvel yeah. stuff. Yeah, they do a really good. I, I that stuff. I love Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is great. Oh, yeah, you know, it's like they're really good at doing a lot of different things. I even watched all of Fuller House. <laughs> 
I know. Tim just dropped the mic and he's going to leave. But you know what I mean? Like for what they were doing, they did exactly that. Exactly that. You know what I mean? They yeah. didn't try to make it a gritty re- reboot or, you know what I mean? Like all the different yeah. things you could have they done. They gave you exactly what you they expected. They gave you exactly what you, anybody bitching about it, like, you know, needs to go back and watch the old shows because that's exactly what they were. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just saying they excel at doing, you know, a lot of different kinds of things. So it's awesome that they have their brand, but their brand is all these various things. Yes, that are also yes. Excellent. And so, like, that's, you know, if you have content or if you want to write something, I, you know, I read something somewhere, um, you know, as filmmakers, uh, movies and TVs and writers and creators, there's a lot of times where we feel like, you know, the producers or the people at studios, you know, their, dar- their doors are closed and locked and barred. But the truth is, every morning, Monday morning, when that guy goes into the office at Paramount, his job is to find something like his job is to find something and bring it in. Now that necessitates him having to shut out a lot of crap. Um, and I actually worked in development with Paramount Vantage for a while. And, um, I was talking to one of the executives and I had just read the script that was a heaping pile of steaming shit. And I turned to him and I said, you know, we're at this level, like we're at the studio level. Shouldn't we be getting better scripts? And I think he had a hernia because he laughed so hard. Like he just yeah. fell out laughing. He's like, no, no, no. You're going to find shit everywhere. But you will also find gems right. everywhere was his take back to that. Yeah. So so this direct, back getting the, back yeah, to, yeah, yeah. so it was supposed to be the series for Netflix. It was horribly written. It was horribly acted. Um, they hired a couple of NFL players to come in and play high school teachers. Not that they couldn't do it i was like oh that's because that's a great tie-in you know yeah, anytime yeah. you get somebody famous that right. that always helps yeah but these guys were horrible the one guy didn't say a sing. he had three lines like all right class let's go uh open your books to page 12 and uh, fred stop that or you know like three right. and he could not say them the same ever not once he was horrible they also i, I ended up reporting them for child labor law violations huh. like it was yeah. horrible but the the point of this one is as a director you have to listen to the people that you hire you gotta you gotta trust them yeah so here's the situation we're in a school we're shooting downstairs a hallway left side of the hallway is all lockers right side of the hallway all kind of you know that beige industrial cinder block Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doors on both sides no big deal shoot out these scenes shoot out these scenes she's like okay the director this lady director says okay now we have to move to the hallway upstairs so we can shoot outside the library and we're all very confused because the hallway upstairs is identical to the hallway downstairs. Lockers down the left-hand side, doors down the right. Like it, there's, there's literally no difference. It's the same exact fucking thing. And we're, we're all like, oh, wait, no, you mean in the library? She's like, no, no, the hallway outside the library. And myself, the AD, the DP, the gaffer, well, like all these department heads are like, you don't, you don't have to do that. It's an identical hallway. We're, we're here in the hallway. Let's just shoot it. And she said, no, no, I wrote this so that the kids are coming out the library door and they, it has to be outside the library. And I'm like, okay, picture this for a second. You're watching a movie, you're watching a TV show and some kids are in the library and they walk out a door. Cut to the door opens and the kids step into the hallway. Yeah. It's the same. And she's like, no. So we spent two hours man on a company move to go from downstairs to upstairs to the identical hallway so that we could shoot a scene with kids walking out the door and that was not only did she not understand what the hell she was doing but she didn't trust any of the people that she hired yeah and it was it was really that was my last day on the job because at about 12 hours i was looking at these we were shooting these kids and i was like this kid is like 10 years old and he was here when i showed up for my early call he you can't like it's it is against the law in California yeah. to work minors more than you know a certain number of hours, and right. he was pushing 12, 13 hours, and so I turned to the director and I said, "You guys know you're like you got to get these kids out of here. You're violating federal and state labor laws." And she said, "You're done. Pack your stuff up and go." And that was, <laughs> that, wow. was that was the end of my time on that shoot. Man. So what finally happened with this heartbreaking uh, you know, worker, staggering genius? Uh, I don't know. I went down to the labor board and said, first of all, uh, you know, wrongful termination. Second of all, they're working minors 12, 14 hours. Um, and the people at the labor board were like, 
what? You know, their eyes bugged out and they're like, where was this? And they took down. So I, from their reaction, I think they went and, you know, to check it out and, you know, do all these things. Because even though it was in the summertime and school's out, you still have to right. follow. They're still kids. They yeah. still have to have a studio teacher on yeah. set. Like they still are only allowed to work X number of hours. And, yeah. and um, there's paperwork for everything. There, she was like, well, I got a permission. I got notes from the parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sure they'll worry about that in federal court. <laughs> yeah, right. So what you're saying is all this footage uh, of the identical hallway is now like state's exhibit A. Yeah, or B. yeah probably. <laughs> but it was just, you know, it's like, if you're gonna direct a film, which honestly I'd like to someday, yeah. um, you know, I, I feel like as a script supervisor, especially, I sit at the right hand of the director yeah. all day, every day, and that's a really good training ground to figure out how I would want to direct something. Yeah. Um, well, I think at this point you probably know. I could say you probably know more than at least fifty percent of the people I've worked with as directors. So. Well, and, and hopefully I'll get to direct a placeholders episode soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. You the, know. The, yeah. The one that you wrote. Well, but that was a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of cast changes. There's stuff so. we have to change, but we could still make the, the main the main thing, thing we could make work yeah, okay. because that stuff with George, that's got to stay. The stuff with George and Steve. <laughs> yeah. So we'll make it work. Cool. Um, but, you know, I mean, and like like most everybody else I know in this industry, you know, I'm more, you know, I write. Yeah. I want to direct someday. Um, you know, I've act, I still act, I, you know, I'd yeah. be in a, another film if, if it came up, I just don't, haven't pursued it really right. heavy. Right. So if, you know, like if you were at a, let's just say a mixer or something where you had to sort of put yourself out there, would you put yourself forward as an actor or a script supervisor first? Or what would you say? Like I'm Tim Robel and yeah, you know, now I would say I'm a script supervisor. Yeah. Uh, primarily. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, it's just a really different type of work. I love acting, I loved being in front of the camera, and yeah. breaking down a script as an actor was really cool experience, but it's but breaking down a script as a script supervisor is like exponentially more detailed and much more difficult and much more. Um, and the other thing I like about being a script supervisor is after you break everything down, right? Like I'll do a location breakdown and I'll say, you know, kitchen scenes, four, seven, nine, 11, all those scenes. So as we go through those, I get to cross them off. Yeah. And that makes my OCD really happy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, 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 yeah really, yeah. you know, getting to cross stuff off and show progress. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I was mentioning at the end of the day, I do all these reports. I yeah. do the, the marked pages. I also do a progress report that goes to production. And it'll say, you know, here's how many pages are in the script. Here's how many pages we shot previously. Here how many, how many pages we shot today. So here's how much we have left. Um, and it's by eighth of a page. You always count uh, scripts by eighths of a page. And that gives production a detailed look at how far along we are, if something gets pushed, if, if we caught up on something. You know, sometimes you have a, a good day and you're like, well, rather than wrap two hours early, let's pick up a couple extra scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, and then everybody groans, and then you pick up the two extra scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, where if you keep production apprised of, here's the progress we're making, um, you know, I report uh, whatever the call time was, I also report the first shot. So if your call time is 6.30 and your shoot, your call, you know, your, your shoot call is 7.30 and your first call isn't until nine o'clock, production will know because I will tell them that. Yeah. Um, also, let me say, if you're an AD and you approach a script supervisor and say, what time was the first shot? And I say, 8.30. And you say, will you mind making that 7.15? It is not gonna happen. <sighs> not, not for me. I don't know, you know, maybe somebody else might, but for me, that's a misrepresentation to production. Like I'm falsifying right. a report uh, and I'm ex-military, I'm ex-military intelligence. And so falsifying reports really, yeah. you know, goes against my grain. Um, you know, I, I get it. You want to look better because if you can show that you got that first shot off 15 minutes before shoot call instead of two hours after, but you know, sorry, be better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And a lot, you know, a lot of times that doesn't, that's not the AD's fault, you know? Right. In fact, rarely is it the yeah. AD's fault. Yeah. But then ultimately it's the AD. Yeah. It, that's the yeah. problem. It comes down to that. Yeah. Uh, the, my other advice to new directors is you hired everybody for a reason. So not only trust them, but believe them when they tell you something. I don't know if that's the same thing, but when the, when the AD and everybody works together to make a call sheet for the next day, and you go home and you have a dream about a scene in the movie and you come in the next day and you want to shoot it, don't. 
there's a reason why everything is scheduled. Uh, we were on a previous, uh, we, we had an issue with that on The Cold Descent. Yeah. yeah. The, the director came in one day and was like, I want to do this scene, which wasn't scheduled for two more days. Right. Yeah, and the I problem that. was that yeah. it, re it required a prosthetic piece yes. from makeup. Yeah. And it just hadn't been created yet. Or yeah. it wasn't, you know, it was started, but it hadn't been finished. Or, right. yeah, yeah. And, and you can't, like, when you're a, a film director, you're the captain of a cruise ship. And you are not going to turn on a dime. Like, you know what I mean? Changes that you make to the schedule have far-reaching ripple effects. Yeah. And you may not realize that, oh, this, this scene was scheduled first this morning for a specific reason. Because hair and makeup, you know, has to, needs the rest of the day to get ready for this big fight scene later. Or, you know, whatever reason. So there's a reason why you do all that. And there's a reason why you do preliminaries the day before and everybody signs off on it. So please, to keep your crew sane and happy, do avoid any last minute changes as much as possible. Yeah, totally agree. You know, that, that goes along with the whole, you know, shooting the identical hallway upstairs. Yeah. There's, there's work that needs to be done before you can take care of, you know, a particular scene. And while I, I respect that you've had an epiphany and you really want to get to the scene, just make a note of it and, because it's going to be on the schedule someplace. Yeah. You know, we'll definitely get to it at some point. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that, that kind of thing is the bane of my existence. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. And think, you know, things like that, like I, I work very closely with, with the AD. Um, during pre-production, you know, I try and check touch base with them so that our scene and page counts match so that as I count and cross stuff off, it's the same as his. Um, a lot of times they won't, uh, you know, the AD is just so crazy busy leading up to that, that I'll never get a copy of their scene and page count. Yeah. So then I just kind of ignore his count, the pages and stuff and report to production based on my count just so that, cause if you try and mix the two, you, you it's yeah. easy to screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know? Um, and sometimes it's just, a, you know, I'll look at a scene and go, Oh, that's two eighths of a page, but the director will look at it and go, uh, the AD will look at it and go, Oh, that's only one eighth. You know, I mean, if it's close, right, right. it's one of those. And over a course of 90 or 100 scenes in yeah. a movie, you know, that, that things are, are, and it's fine as long as there's something, there's a metric to track it by. Yes. Yeah. Um, Have you noticed that, you know, I don't know how much, how much acting you've done since you started really doing script supervision, but have you noticed that the script supervision has affected your acting? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Again, when you're working in independent films and, you know, newer, and I don't, please don't take this, uh, everybody starts someplace. Like, yeah. a, a, you know, everybody has to get experience somewhere. So when I say less experienced or newer, I don't mean that as, as an insult or as a derogatory term yeah. at all. Well, that's how we met. Yeah. Pretty much. Right? Pretty much. Um, but a lot of newer or less experienced actors, um, and, I've, and if, you, <laughs> if you were to go back and watch Witchcraft 13, which we never will. But if yeah, you were, please don't do that. <laughs> uh, I, I can see myself doing all of these mistakes, but it's things like as an actor, when you break down your scene, you make specific choices on everything. And I mean, everything when to blink yeah. should be a specific character choice. It shouldn't be left up to, well, this is how I felt in the moment. So I'm going to change and do this, or I'm going to do that because what happens is, if you say the line, well, I'm out of here, and then you drink your beer and slam it on the ground and leave, and then the next time through you're like, you know what, I, I didn't quite feel that. And you say, I'm out of here, and you grab the beer and you walk the door and you drink it, and then you slam it on the ground, well, now those are not gonna match anything. Like, you have to do the exact same thing every performance, which is why you should go through and make specific choices so that the editor has a point yeah. you know, to cut so that um, you know, the director can look at, look at you and say, oh, I see what you're doing. Now, obviously, things change. Um, you know, the, the, the where you're drinking or what you're doing may not work. And for me, as a script supervisor, I'll make a note, you know, this was an early, early take, may not be usable due to matching. But if there's a line delivery or something that the director really likes, you, know, you, can, you can pull it out of there. But from an acting standpoint, like I notice that I'm much more still. Yeah. Because a lot of, newer and experienced actors you know it's it's there's nervous energy you, yeah. you know your heart's pounding and so even if you just rock a little or you know a little twitch or something like that that better be a character choice yeah you know so that it stays consistent throughout the whole thing um 
but yeah, I've noticed there is a difference in how I act now. Yeah, I figured that. I yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. But it's it probably eventually is going to make somebody a lot less stressed. It's probably going to be me who yeah. makes a lot, a lot right. less stress. So thank you for that. <laughs> Anything else you want to? We probably should wrap it up. It's been a little bit over an hour, and uh, I, I mean, I know we could go on for another three hours seriously. at least. Yeah, and we probably maybe maybe, maybe we will. I'll be here for a month, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything? Any any final thoughts? I mean, I think you've you've given a lot of great info that people should really listen to. And now you know why you should have a script supervisor. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like the last yeah the last few things I've worked on, like when I when the question came around to like who I could sort of populate the crew with. It was always like, oh well, the script supervisor was the first per- person we let go, or like yeah. cut off the the budget. It's it's, like, why would well, you do? Well, it's because yeah. it's because they don't understand exactly. They don't understand, and typically that's somebody who has never worked with a script supervisor. Because yeah. once you have a good one, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, like my director Jackie from Submission, she has said the nicest thing. She's got a blog, and she put a picture of the two of us up there, and she was yeah. like, this guy was my right hand, and you do not want to make a movie without somebody who's got your back like yeah, this. Yes, that's awesome. Um, you know, and it's and it's more about it's. I'm going to save a script supervisor, a good scripty will save your director a lot of headaches. They're going to save your editor a ton of work, and they're going to save the rest of the crew a lot of heartaches when it comes to did that match? Is that you know? Because I take pictures of every frame. Yeah. Because I'm not really concerned with what's outside the frame. If you can't see it, I'm not going to worry about it because it's not matching anything. Um, so you know, I help. You know, you really. And I, I know this is sort of self-serving because it's my job position, you know. Yeah. Um, but I really think once you've worked with a good scripty, you'll see the value in that and you'll understand how much time they can save you because time is money. And with all the notes and all the information and all the saving your ass in terms of eye lines and movement, it's going to save you time and therefore money in the long run. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Uh, well, Thank you, Tim, for uh, coming to record this episode with me. Thanks for having me. Let's let's uh, definitely do this again. Oh yeah, we will. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll have the the need to get stuff out, and I'll just bring you along for the ride. And then I'm sure yeah. because it's it's funny, like all the stories you're telling. Like I have seen either seen that stuff go down, either on the set you're on or on different sets. It's the same stuff that goes yeah. down. The hallway thing I've seen happen a bunch of times with people that should have known better too. Um, you know, it's like I know that we you have a lot of we have a lot of similar complaints about things. Well, most of it, though, is just when something is done inefficiently, right. incorrectly, or for no fucking reason. Right, right. Because ultimately, that all has practical repercussions. Time, money. You Everything know. you change, every, it, like I said, it has that ripples. It ripples yeah. out. It affects hair and, you know, like that one incident, if he wants to shoot now, well, that affects hair and makeup, which means now since they're making the prosthetic, they can't be making, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. now not prepping actors for the next scene we're gonna you know i mean it's just it's chaos yeah so there's a reason why things are scheduled a certain way yeah absolutely even within the day like don't take the last thing of the day and flip the beginning you know unless you absolutely have i mean there's always reasons for that yeah you know i feel like a a call sheet and a script they're kind of like the battle plans yeah you know a call sheet and a battle plan they never survive first contact yeah you know, yeah, there's yeah. always something that's got to be yeah. kind of tweaked. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have a do you have a personal website or like a? No, I mean my acting one. To? You know, timrobel.com. Okay, we well can they can they can do there. And yeah. if if you're looking to get him as a script supervisor, yeah, I gotta update make, that. Yeah, you can also make contact through there. Um, Timrobel.com. Make sure you check it out. Make sure uh, you don't check out Witchcraft Thirteen on Twitter at Timmy Robes R O B E S. Okay, at Timmy Robes. And then are you on Instagram? No. No, no Instagram. Facebook? Yeah. And that's? Tim at Tim Robel. Okay, cool. So find Tim on all those platforms. You know where I'm at, upstartfilmworks.net, at upstartfilm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Yeah, and we will uh, see you next time. Happy filmmaking.